It's the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. On air, online, on demand, and on video. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time had a long time ago. Think about forgetting about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. Hour number three, big gig underway here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Temperature rising, um, not heat wave yet, but it's definitely rising. 13 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 13 at the Highlands, 10 degrees in my backyard in Elm Grove, and 14 degrees here at the Watchdog Radio Network. We're going to get up to maybe close to 40 today, into the 30s at least, so we're definitely going to warm up. And it's going to be a cloudy and rainy week, but the temperatures will rise Every day, a little bit more, a little bit more throughout the week till we hit um, close to 60, I think, uh, on, um, when is that? Uh, close to 60 on Friday? Uh, Thursday and Friday, both going to be in the high 50s, let's put it that way, so that sounds good. You know, Bob, we often talk about how I think that um, things are listening, you know, our, our devices are listening to us, right? We have talked a lot today uh, and over the last few weeks about how cold it gets here in the studio, right? Yes. And uh, my wife, bless her heart, by the way, brought us a great peppermint hot cocoa this morning. I don't think I could have whistled without that hot chocolate, Howard. It made made that really good. Uh, But I'm just checking my email, and uh, Radio Monroe at AOL.com is my email. And I've got... A uh, uh, an email called Toasty Heater. I guess uh, where's that at? We've talked enough about the need for to warm up that, that, that now the the gods of the email decided to send me uh, uh, some thoughts about uh, being a toasty heater. So, uh, anyways, all right. Uh, that's uh, so. I I still believe that they're listening to us. I still believe our machines. You know, the iPhones, the iPads, the Alexas of the world. I believe. I believe that they listen to us, and that's why. Toasty heater is showing up in my email. Hey, if you just joined us, I think we've had a lot of good stuff going on today. We talked earlier with Danny Jones, former Charleston mayor, with his eclectic political point of view. That's the word I use. It's an eclectic political point of view about uh, Donald Trump. Can he win? And if he does win or if he does lose, what's likely to happen in America? Had some good conversation about that with uh, Danny Jones. Bob and I were talking about the uh, apparent loss of Sports Illustrated as a magazine, certainly at least it's going to be greatly diminished when significant parts of its staff have been let go. Mystic West Virginia, mysterious, not mystic, mysterious West Virginia is a YouTube program that Bob discovered after reading a book about a murder in Charleston, and he told me about mysterious West Virginia. I started watching it last night. And it's very addictive. It's a, it's this YouTube series of, of videos uh, about half an hour. Each one's about half an hour um, of, of unsolved mysteries around the state. I, I looked last night at the one about Sister Robin, uh, Mount St. Joseph, back in 70s, I guess that was, back in the 70s. 77, I believe. Um, so that was on there. And the story of Juliet Stanton Clark in, in uh, Charleston, which is the book that Bob was 1953. Reading, is, uh, was on there as well. Uh, really good stuff. And we were talking about this show, Mysterious West Virginia. Then I talked to Sean McCracken, who was the producer of that show, 
uh, coming up uh, in a couple of weeks here. Uh, let's see what else we talk. Oh, the Krishnas. We got into the Krishnas a bit last hour. It's a it's an old story, kind of dredged up from the past here in the Upper Ohio Valley. But thanks to our listeners for bringing that to our attention. And um, what else did we do? We talked about. I didn't get around to the homeless story in, in Wheeling. Um, there was some movement uh, short briefly. I want to take some time to talk about this, so I just just run through. Thursday, they sent the bulldozers out. Literally sent the bulldozers out. And and they began to dismantle the camps. And what's even scarier is, uh, according to some of the reports, some of the people who came to try and help the guy, the people save their possessions, police said, we'll arrest you if you don't get out of here. That's just pathetic. I want to talk about that. And I, I little did a little piece on Facebook about it. What's the rush? Why do we have to do it now, do it now? Now, by Friday... Bob Heron had given an exemption to a camp at um, Catholic Charities or Salvation Army. I apologize. I don't have it in front of me. Um, so there is a small camp that's now been given an exemption. And then I talked over the weekend to a lot of the homeless advocate groups, and they were talking with each other all weekend long. I think they're getting close to figuring out what to do about a managed camp. Um, I had hoped to have some of the homeless, folk, homeless advocacy folks on today. And they kept saying, no, not today, not today. So uh, maybe later this week we'll find out about that. Um, there's a lot more I want to say about that. Didn't get around to it yet, but that's okay. I've got Stephen Adams coming up, and I want to talk about politics in West Virginia. There's some neat stuff happening here, and we'll talk about that straight ahead. Welcome to the Watchdog Morning Show for a Monday. My name is Waleed Garib. I'm an interventional cardiologist at WVU Reynolds Memorial Hospital. One thing that I would like people in this Ohio Valley and across West Virginia and really across the country to know. The goal of healthcare is not to help you get by. It's not just to keep you alive. It's to help you thrive. And if we can get you back to your 100% potential, that's our goal. And we're going to keep working at it until we get as close to it as possible. The Highlands is the Ohio Valley's top spot for shopping, dining, and entertainment, too. Play a round of simulated golf at the Four Seasons course. Grab a movie with family or friends at the Marquee Cinemas, featuring 14 screens of the hottest new movies in all digital and 3D. Plus, special promotions like Flashback Cinema. Or visit the Highlands Sports Complex with turf, courts, climbing wall, and an arcade. Shopping, dining, and entertainment. Just off I-70 at the top of the hill, the Highlands. Last year, they took on the NFL and beat the spread. This season, they plan on doing it again. If you want to cash in, tune in every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 for Good Old Boys on Sports with Bear and Bob here on the Watchdog Radio Network and the All Sports Saturday Morning. Good Old Boys is all we'll ever be. Toyota's national sales event is on, making now the best time to save big at your Toyota dealer. With available APR financing as low as 1.9% on select new 2022 fuel-efficient Camrys, Corollas, RAV4s, and Highlanders. Or go off-road in a rugged Tacoma or Tundra, also with low financing available to qualified buyers. Visit buyatoyota.com for more. Not all buyers will qualify for special APR financing from Toyota. See your dealer for details. Hurry, Toyota's national sales event ends September 6th. Toyota, let's go places. Live and local. Every weekday. With 10,000 watts of total power. On WKKX and WVLY. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. I think I'm going to Kathmandu. That's really, really where I'm going to. 
little Bob Seger bumper music today, courtesy of Mr. Slider, and uh, it's all been good. I've been dancing and singing along, so that's that's a good way to start a Monday here. 917, temperature rising again every um, 10 minutes or so. We're picking up a degree. 15, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 14 at the Highlands. 15 in my backyard in Elm Grove. And here we have 16, Howard. 16 degrees here at the Watchdog Radio Network. Let's head down to, I assume he's in Charleston. I shouldn't say that because Steve Adams floats all over the state. But let's bring in from the Ogden newspaper chain our friend Steve Adams. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Howard. Thanks for having me on. Always good to have you on. Always good to talk about politics or anything else happening in West Virginia. I want to talk mainly about politics. Got a couple of things I want to get into. I'm having a hard time figuring out if there's much happening in the legislature, though. I know you you follow that. You're there on a daily basis. Has it has there been much excitement going on down there in the legislative session so far? Not really, and I'll be honest, it's a lot of deja vu. Um, There's a lot of bills that are being taken up on both sides that are very similar to bills that were taken up at the beginning of the legislative session last year that ultimately went nowhere. Uh, I've tried to use a little bit of discernment in what I report, uh, and even, but I keep finding stuff I've reported about a year ago, and I'm like, wait, that sounds familiar. Oh, they did that last year. <laughs> like, for example, you know, House uh, Education pushed out a bill for additional uh, additional raises for teachers, certainly something that uh, many believe uh, would say needed to re- retain teachers, uh, and everyone got really excited about it, and I thought, wait, they did that last year, too, and it hit the brick wall of the House uh, Finance Committee. It was never seen, never saw the life day again. They did the same exact thing this time. Uh, I, I keep finding bills that they largely have done, like, you know, some of the attention has been on this uh, on the Senate side where they push out bills for putting in God we trust on school buildings or, or allowing the talk of intelligence intelligent design, which, by the way, isn't prohibited now. So I don't know what that law does. But uh, but they did this at the beginning of session last year and passed both of those bills out. So right now it's just a whole lot of deja vu. But, obviously, but they, the didn't, they didn't make it. They didn't make it through final passage, though, right? Well, that's exactly right. Um, uh, either – and I'd have to look. I can't remember if they made it through the Senate and weren't taken up by the House or didn't make it through the Senate. I mean, it's – it's just been real interesting. So it's been real quiet. Honestly, I feel like I've gotten more stories out of candidate violence than I have out of legislation. Now, I may change after today. There's certainly some interesting bills on House Judiciary Committee's agenda I'm following today. But right now, it's just kind of, kind of yawn. Well, I think politics, this is a political year, and there's some interesting political races, which is probably, like me, you're a political guy. You enjoy covering the politics of it, and those things really, really jump out. Um Mayor Elliott, uh, Wheeling Mayor Glenn Elliott, uh, officially filed for the Democratic nomination for Senate last week. What's that mean? What's that do, if anything? Sure. Uh, Of course, he's now the second uh, very high-profile, very successful, popular mayor to jump into one of the big races. As you know, uh, Huntington Mayor Steve Williams is running for governor. Uh, I know that there's been a big effort to recruit Glenn Elliott, uh, who's term limited, I believe, right. uh, into, into running for U.S. Senate. The only candidate uh, that's been getting attention in that race so far is uh, Zachary Shrewsbury, who's from southern West Virginia. He's a veteran and a community organizer and really kind of has a very long, long distance chance in getting it. But uh, the, I know there's been some recruitment by uh, 
key Democrats to try to get these kind of high-profile mayors in there who, on one hand, can appeal to some levels of progressives in the state, uh, I think, but can also have a broader appeal uh, across the aisle to moderate uh, people of that nature. And uh, I think Glenn Elliott certainly fits that bill. We had Obviously, we had Glenn on. We have him all the time anyways because he's the mayor. But we had him on last week talking about his uh, decision to run for the Senate. Uh, and I followed that up with some conversation with Steve Williams from Huntington. Uh, as I said at the time, two does not make a trend, but it is interesting to me, is this the new fertile ground for Democrats in West Virginia uh, for candidates? Um, and I think it may be. I mean, I think looking to the municipalities as opposed to some of the traditional, you know, I hate to say it, the same old names over and over again. Uh, I, I, that may be uh, it may be at least a smart a smarter strategy than any other for the Democrats to be working on. I think that's absolutely correct. You can look at the legislature as a key example uh, where you have a Democratic majority that keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, shrinking. There's what eleven in the House, three in the Senate, uh, and I don't foresee anyone in those positions being somebody who would appeal. Uh, to a wide swath of voters uh, for uh, a statewide office. I just don't see it. But Democrats, even on the local level, I think still have a lot of trust among voters uh, because it's you don't get into the partisan fights uh, a lot of times, at least in the West Virginia municipality stuff. You really don't get into it a whole bunch. There's some stuff that pops up, some culture war stuff, whether you're talking about, you know, Fairness Act stuff or uh, and some of the other communities, Parkersburg particularly, uh, they always have to deal with book ban attempts and things of that nature. But for the most part, I mean, people care in cities about whether you have running water and whether the trash is getting picked up or right now, whether the streets are being plowed. Uh, and that's not a Republican or Democratic issue. And as a result, I think uh, Democratic municipal leaders, mayors, uh, really have a better opportunity of reaching a wider swath of voters, and uh, especially large cities, and make some ideal candidates. Yeah, I said, I, 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 I want to be clear, too, doesn't make a trend, but it just struck me. Uh, with uh, Steve Williams in the governor's race and now with uh, Mayor Elliott in the Senate race, it is an interesting approach that the Democratic Party, if you will, has. Now, uh, Elliott will face, a, as you pointed out, there will be a – it's interesting. Who would have thought there would be a Democratic primary for anything these, these days? But there will be a Democratic primary for that U.S. Senate seat. Well, and I think it's kind of smart. I mean, obviously, the state Democratic Party will tell you that they they don't actively uh, recruit as far as I mean, they recruit as far as they want as many people to be on the ballot as possible. But beyond that, um, I mean, they they, stay they don't out of they don't pick primary. winners and losers, right? Yeah, that, that that's exactly it. But uh, I do think it's probably smart for them. You would think it'd be a good idea to try to fill up the ballot, and maybe they still will. We've got time. The deadline is midnight this coming Saturday for candidates to file um, for office. But it might make more sense to really kind of focus on those top two seats, governor and U.S. Senate. 
A, trying to keep the U.S. Senate seat in Democratic hands because it's been been that way for a very, very long time, and Senator Manchin's retiring. Uh, and as I point out in a column, reminding everybody, you know, we did elect a Democratic governor in 2017. Now, he might have switched parties. Not <laughs> His name was Jim that. Justice. Yes. His name is Jim Justice, but it wasn't that long ago that voters were more than fine with electing a Democratic governor, so it's not impossible that Steve Williams... Uh, could gain support. Uh, well, we'll see. But I think I, I, I do think it's kind of smart to focus on these two seats and probably put resources into that. It will be interesting to see. And I know uh, Mary Elliott pointed this out when he was talking with us. It will be interesting to see uh, to what level the Democratic Party chooses. If Manchin had stayed in the race, they would have poured tons of money into keeping Manchin in office. It'll be interesting to see to what level will the National Party want to get involved in these races now, or will they just stand back and say, we thought Manchin might have had a shot, but nobody else will. I, I don't have a prediction on that. I don't know, but I think that's something to watch. But I think going back into the idea of recruiting uh, municipal candidates, especially these top-tier Big-time mayors of major cities. I mean, Steve Williams has certainly got national attention, especially for fighting the opioid epidemic in that city, uh, and has gotten, like, applause from around the nation. And I think that uh, Glenn Elliott has certainly gotten some national accolades for uh, some of the work that he's done in Wheeling uh, as well. It's possible that some outside money could come in from other mayors or from groups ran by mayors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, Michael Bloomberg is sitting on a bunch of money. Oh, he burned point. nearly yeah. one. Yeah, he won, he he burned one billion dollars uh, considering a presidential run uh, not that long ago. So I mean, there's money out there for for them, and they actually might be able to tap into money that otherwise other candidates might not be able to tap into. I don't know whether it was a wise move for Glenn Elliott or not. I just I don't know. Being a Democrat in this state is still very difficult. Uh, but I, it was a smart move. I, I, let me say this. I'm happy about it. It's certainly going to be something for us to talk about. <laughs> if nothing else, he's helped the talk show host a lot. So uh, I did thank him for that, for giving me something more to talk about as, uh, as this election goes by. Stephen, anything in the filings that has surprised you and or are you anticipating any surprise filings over the next few days? Well, I, I can tell you already that Moore Capito, former House Judiciary Committee chairman uh, who resigned back in December to focus on his campaign for governor, he's officially filed as of this morning. Uh, Huntington businessman Chris Miller, the son of uh, U.S. Representative Carol Miller, and to go back for a moment, of course, Moore Capito is the son of the U.S. Senator Shelley Moore Capito, the grandson of uh, the former Republican Governor Archmore. But Chris Miller is filing here uh, in a half hour. So that will mean all four, the top four candidates for governor, the ones that have uh, been top four in polling, the ones that have been top four in fundraising, will be on the Republican ballot going forward. Chris, but otherwise, Chris, I haven't... Chris, I Miller is Chris, Chris Miller is saturating the Upper Ohio Valley with uh, TV ads. I mean, they're all over the place, um, ads for Chris Miller. Um, I, I'm assuming two reasons, probably because he needs to become better known outside of the Charleston-Huntington area, so therefore he's pitching up here. And also, I mean, he's a pretty good TV. I mean, he does TV commercials down there, right? And I think he knows what he's doing with that. 
Well, that's exactly it. I mean, he's got those commercials running down here, too. But, of course, he's got car dealerships on this part of the state. So when you're not seeing Chris Miller for governor commercials, you're seeing Dutch Miller, Kia, whatever commercials. Yeah, exactly. And he's a funny guy. He's a charismatic guy. He's been known for doing goofy uh, commercials and that sort of thing. I will tell you this commercial that launched officially last week called Customers. I think I called it Service, and I was told – Wow, well, that you know, that's not what the ad's called, but that's the subliminal messaging. Because the first thing you see in that ad is a big old, you know, wall painted sign that says "service." Because he's walking through his family's dealership in right. the service bay and talking about how he came from the ground up, working, you know, uh, hard jobs in his family's businesses, and, and and coming on up. So yeah, he's got to let people know. And the biggest question has been: he's sitting on millions of dollars. Most of that has been money he has loaned to his own campaign. The question has been, when's he going to spend it? Because he needs to, because he's usually ranked uh, fourth. Well, he uh, is. The, he state. obviously is the least known statewide of the candidates running for governor. That's right. So with him spending all that money up north pushing this ad, it should move some needles, I would think. Uh, so we will see, because certainly uh, uh, Secretary of State Mac Warner uh, might be a little better well-known for having been on a statewide ballot twice, but money-wise, he doesn't have a lot of it. Yeah. He doesn't have the money to probably do big TV ads and that sort of thing. So Chris Miller could push himself uh, above Warner for third. I never I don't, I don't, never knew about Chris Miller until he filed, and I learned just intellectually about him, but I really had never seen him, never, still have never met him or talked to him. But in watching the Metro News debate a couple of, what's well, it been a month or so ago, he was really – now, I disagreed with 90 percent of what he had to say. So let me begin politically. I disagreed with it. But he presented himself very well. He had a well-thought-out philosophy of government that he talked about. Um, and he struck me as a, as a candidate that even though he's sort of been the unknown candidate for many people in the state because he hasn't had statewide recognition, um, I think if he gets his name out there, he'll, he may – he's impress, he can impress people. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I think that's it. I think he is, and I've heard him a few times now uh, on the campaign trail. Uh, I've heard the Metro News debate. I saw him at the Chamber of Commerce annual meeting uh, for their forum. And, he, I mean, he really is articulate. He knows how to present a message. And because he's done car commercials for so long, he knows how to present a message in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what makes him really good and i think the more people hear him i and the more people see these ads and whatnot i really do think it makes a difference that doesn't help him when i don't know yet i mean patrick morrissey so far has been the top in the polls uh he has a, a couple third party uh outside groups political action committees that are uh, helping fund his campaign and and of course more capito has particularly the support of Governor Justice. He's not been endorsed by Justice, but everything has happened but endorsement. I think people (laughs) expect that to come soon. So we'll see what happens with uh, Miller, but there's potential. Let me go back to the Senate race just for a minute, and then I want to get to one other political issue. But on the Senate race, uh, Justice and Mooney, Justice has really begun to fight back against some of those Mooney ads now. Justice has got a number of of TV commercials running uh, and really just calling out Mooney. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, that is he's he's going hard into paint. Uh, to use a basketball term that justice might appreciate uh, <laughs> against against Mooney. 
Uh, and he has to because, you know, the Club for Growth, which was one of the groups I was talking about that's supporting Morrissey for governor, well, they're also supporting Mooney uh, for U.S. Senate. And they have spent a lot of money on ads, particularly over the last month or so, uh, to try to see what sticks. And we'll find out here soon. I'm sure there's polling getting ready to come out to show us whether that's moving the needle against justice. I mean, sure, we we have talked about all the negatives, all the business issues, all the issues right now going on in state government that we keep finding. I've got a story coming out soon, actually, in regards to natural gas taxation that I'll, I'll tease here okay. that I'm working on, uh, where they've made a, uh, where some mistakes have been made, some multi-million dollar mistakes have been made. Uh, all these things keep happening, but they're not really moving the needle against justice. So if these Club for Growth ads don't really change anything in the polls and that sort of thing. I think that's going to affect how Mooney is funded going forward, and I think uh, justice will be fine. Justice picked up a phrase that Dave McKinley used, calling him now Marilyn Mooney, and he also uh, really fought back in these TV ads. He's, justice is fighting back against that Club for Growth thing. He's got uh, uh, some quick cuts of Donald Trump talking against the Club of Growth, Club for Growth, which is supporting Mooney, um, and certainly the impression that's left, and I believe it's the correct impression, is that Trump doesn't like the Club for Growth. So if you're a Trump person, you don't support the Club for Growth, and the Club for Growth is supporting Mooney, you know, sick transit, whatever, <laughs> you know, logical <laughs> principles uh, uh, should should mean that Mooney is, is not, uh, if you're a Trump fan, you may not like Mooney. It's, it's, been, it's an interesting uh, race, certainly, and um, it's picking up a little bit. Hey, one last thing politically I want to ask you about. I, I, the Republican Party was going to uh, take a vote this weekend and perhaps closing their primary. I think the weather got in the way, so they didn't have their meeting. Uh, but let's talk about that, the idea that the GOP wants to both right now Democrats and Republicans allow anybody to vote in their primary. You can only vote in one primary. If you're a registered Democrat, you can vote Republican, but you then cannot vote Democrat. Uh, GOP wants to close that. Yes. Well, let's not say the GOP wants. There are some there in are the GOP people. who want to close. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think uh, there's already some growing uh, tensions in regards to this request. And I got to tell you, I talked to a Democrat. I didn't put this in my column. My column uh, today is all about this particular issue. I didn't put this in my column, but I talked to a Democratic operative uh, last week about this who made a real, real interesting point. He thinks the slide in West Virginia to going Republican like it did, began in 1986 when Republicans first opened their primaries to unaffiliated voters. The Democrats didn't do the same until, I believe, right. 2007. Yeah. yeah, so uh, and, uh, the guy I talked to said, you know, the Democrats really jumped on that bandwagon too late. So as far as they're concerned, if the Republicans want to close their primary down affiliated voters, they see that as a good sign for them because it might make people come back their way. <laughs> so the folks who, who maybe don't yet want to change their registration but who are feeling an inclination to be involved in the GOP primary in particular would would, would be able to do that in the current situation. But if you were to close the primary – uh, you would lose those potential uh, change, switch over votes, whatever you want to call them. So that's that's the debate that the GOP is going to have. And I guess have they rescheduled that meeting? I know they had it for this weekend, and they were going to. I understand. Yeah, I understand. It's been rescheduled for Saturday, but I've not received any further information about that. But I, I think there's some groundswell against this. They've talked about doing this before, and ultimately don't do, uh, haven't done it. I think it's. 
not for me to express an opinion as a reporter, but as someone who's a registered unaffiliated myself due to my job, I, I, I think trying to move the needle in an election year is a bad idea. Like, if you want to do it, do it, like, in an off year. That way there's plenty of time to educate voters about this because you're going to have a lot of angry voters who read my stuff, who see all this stuff, who – Look, you know full well people aren't going to pay that much of attention until we get into the polling booths, and then right. they're going to find out that they can't request a Republican ballot and can't vote for Trump, which is going to be what angers people, and they're going to throw a fit at the polling booths. It's going to be a big problem. And, and, I don't think they've thought through. The I think she's still the current uh, state party chair, although she said she's resigning. I don't know if she's already done that or not. Anyways, Elgin McArdle, that's her argument is that this may not be a bad idea, but it's a bad timing for this idea. Yeah, and I think the issue is some think it will make some of those voters go ahead and full-on switch to Republican. And maybe it will for some of them, but I don't think it does for all of them. And I think you still have certain voters, particularly Southern voters who were once Democrats, who align with Republicans but don't want to make that switch because Mm -hmm. their own parents would roll over in their graves if they found out that their kid had an R by their name. There's some people, literally, I've heard that this is not No, 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 I I understand it completely. Absolutely, sure. Yeah, they can't make that switch yet. And with so many voters still over in the unaffiliated column, maybe make the switch when more of the registration keeps growing, but it's just barely 40%. It's really more of a plurality than it is an actual majority. They, they really should wait to, to do this. Uh, we'll see if they do, but you know, what the repercussions of that will be. All right. I have not had a chance to read your column this morning. I wish I'd done that before I got you on the air. I just didn't get around to it today, but I will check that out in a bit and encourage everybody else to do so as well. I'm sure we'll talk again in the relatively near future, probably if not before, maybe after the weekend final filings are there and we can assess the races as they actually stand up um, when the filings are done. Stephen, appreciate your work. Appreciate your time with us this morning. Have a great day. Thanks, Howard. 938.22 to the hour. Watchdog Morning Show. Steve Adams from the Ogden newspaper chain. I didn't catch his piece this morning, although I guess he's talking about some of the stuff that we talked about today. So I don't want to tell you don't read the piece, but... You just heard him talk about it, so that's all you need to do. Uh, let's check Ohio Valley headlines right now. And for that, we go to Taylor Long at WTRF-TV. Good Monday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this January the 22nd. The Austintown, Ohio Police Department is asking for the public's help in locating a missing girl. According to a release from Austintown Police, 14-year-old Emily Groft also goes by Kia or Kesa, has been missing since Friday. If you have any information, you're urged to contact the police at 330-799-9721 or your local police department with any information regarding her whereabouts. And looking to Ohio County, the downtown Wheeling's Market Street Bridge will begin the demolition process starting today. According to West Virginia's Department of Transportation, it will be closed to both drivers and pedestrians for the next six months until a new bridge deck can be installed. The road has been shut down since June of 2022 after a homeless encampment caught fire and caused structural damage to the bridge. The new bridge will cost nearly $1.4 million and is set to reopen on July 20th. 
The city of Wheeling issued a statement Friday regarding an exemption issued for the camping ban. City manager Robert Heron, at the request of Mark Phillips of Catholic Charities, has issued an exemption to the city's prohibited camping on public property ordinance for a leased parking lot near the Catholic Charities Neighborhood Center. Catholic Charities, along with other homeless agency partners, are developing rules for this temporary exemption. The delay will last until January 29th for the demolition of the camps. 7 News is your local election headquarters. Former President Trump celebrated his Republican opponent Ron DeSantis' endorsement of his presidential run yesterday at a campaign stop in New Hampshire. DeSantis ended his White House bid yesterday, two days before the New Hampshire primary. He was once viewed as Republicans' best shot at moving past U.S. former President Donald Trump. It leaves former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley as the former president's sole challenger for their party's nomination. That was a look at your headlines. Have a marvelous Monday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. Need a new suit? Looking for a good book? Searching for a unique gift? The Ohio Valley's premier shopping choice is the Highlands. Find jewelry, hot new tech, arts and crafts, over two dozen stores to visit. From Walmart and Target to Cabela's, Menards, Kohl's, and Old Navy. Plan a day out of shopping, dining, and entertainment at the Highlands. At the top of the hill off I-70. See it all online at hitthehighlands.com. Great conversation continues now on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Some good stuff today, pal. Thank you. I appreciate the music you picked this one. I appreciate the music you pick every day. I should be careful about that. But uh, Bob Seger's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's better than pretty good. <laughs> he's he's among the very best there is. 18th of the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Temperature keeps rising. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not in a heat wave, but we're double where we were when we started. 15 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 15 degrees at the Highlands. 20 in my backyard. We started out at 4 this morning in my backyard, so we've gone up to 20 degrees in Elm Grove. And 16, is that right? We are up to 16. 16 degrees here at the Watchdog Radio Network. There is tonight, and you can watch it on WTRF-TV, a debate between the three Republican candidates for um, Senate in Ohio, in Ohio, uh, Frank LaRose, Matt Dolan, and Bernie Marino. And because I am a fool and complete total idiot, Bob, uh, just last night, I reached out to my friends at the Ohio Capital Journal, and I said, hey, I know there's a debate coming up. Uh, can we get someone here to talk about the debate that's coming up? And to preview it and to talk about these candidates and so on. And, um, well, of course, it's tonight, so I, so we won't be doing any debate preview. we got 16 if, minutes left, Howard. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I'll see if my friend Dave DeWitt has found someone for us to talk to tomorrow, perhaps, about the debate uh, that is going to be on tonight. WTRF-TV uh, will carry it. It's a statewide debate, but Channel 7 will carry it. It begins at 7 o'clock 
uh, and can be seen on, it says the WTRF stations, so I assume ABC, Ohio Valley, and Channel uh, 7, CBS, and also WTRF.com. We haven't paid much attention to the Ohio Senate race. This is to see who will go up against Sherrod Brown in the fall. So we'll be, uh, I'll try to get some more on that. And also in Ohio, uh, Bob, in Ohio, as in West Virginia, as in everywhere, absenteeism is a problem in our public schools. Kids aren't coming to school. They're missing too many classes. Some Ohio legislators are considering paying students to come to class. That would have worked for me. <laughs> you think you might have gone more often if they gave you some cash on the barrel head? It's, um, it, it, it's a bipartisan proposal. Now, it's not it, – it doesn't have universal support, but there are Democrats and Republicans in Ohio's legislature – who are saying, look, we've tried everything else. I guess they've tried. They looked across the state. People have tried pizza days. People have tried special recreation, you know, recess days. So now nothing works like cash, I guess. Uh, That's pretty good, Howard. That's pretty good incentive for cash. And, and Howard, I'm going to make this, since you brought up the legislators in the state of Ohio. Yes. I'm going to make this point. And it's just not because I'm pro-marijuana. Everybody knows that listens to this show, I am pro-marijuana. They have, the last I heard from the governor, they are going to push the the wine. They are going to push that towards the beginning of the year. I hear a noise here. Yes, somebody calling me, and I don't know who it is, so I'm going to Now, this is after the the residents of Ohio overwhelmingly voted for that. And it's like the politicians are saying, no, we know better than you. Maybe next year. They ought to all be voted out. Voted out because they didn't listen to what the people of Ohio said. Yep. Well, this is not. This is absolutely one thousand percent true in Ohio, uh, and they are trying to override the voice of the people. But it is not just true in Ohio. I actually, and a little preview here, since you brought it up, um, I have an author who's written a piece about this as a nationwide trend. The, the, we, the people in many states, are saying, wait a minute, we can't get you, the legislature, to pass things. We're going to put them on the ballot. We're going to pass them ourselves. It's happening all across the country, certainly in Ohio. And all across the country, the legislators, once the, the voters vote the way they didn't want them to, go, well, we'll just change it. We're going to take a look at that coming up next week um, with a professor from uh, South Carolina University, I believe it is. Uh, but she's written about this. You're right. The people have spoken. Now, I get the argument that there are some little, you know, you can tweak the law, you know, start on a different date or change the amounts or something. But they want to just basically they want to do away with it. And, and DeWine is among them. How arrogant is that? It is. It's uh, again, arrogant. If, it was, if they were the first state or even one of the, the top five states that, that did this, I could say tread lightly, slow but sure. They know what they're doing. They want to make sure all, every, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. This is just arrogance, Howard. This is just blatant arrogance. On that same front, uh, Patrick Morrissey, the attorney general and gubernatorial candidate in West Virginia, uh, posted a piece on X, the former Twitter, last night. And uh, it was a couple of state legislators talking about marijuana. And Morrissey goes, ha, ha, ha. This is the only thing Democrats can think of is to legalize pot. 
This is the most dangerous thing we could possibly do. This is what Democrats believe in. And a whole bunch of Democrats, including our friend Mike Pushkin and others, came back and said, damn right. Absolutely right. Have you looked around at the rest of the country? Have you seen what it does in terms of revenue? You're right, Mr. Attorney General. It is part of the plan because it is, it, it's a growth industry. And across the country, while there are always anything new creates some problems, it's not created a lot of problems anywhere. Think about this for a minute, Howard. Okay, they have voted that marijuana is not illegal in the state. Correct. So I think I could sell you marijuana on the corner, or maybe not on the corner, on private property, and there's nothing anybody can do about that. We could we could light up on private property. Again, they're they're, they're missing out on tons of money. That's the point. I mean, and again, I, I'm your your point in Ohio is dramatically true. I'm going back to this thing that Morrissey last night. The, this is the plan the Democrats have is marijuana. And again, there were like 15, 20 Democrats said, yes, sir. It is indeed the plan that we have because it works. It brings money. You got a better idea, Patrick? Just look at Colorado. Colorado's just just look example. what they, they've done. They went in there open-minded and they've done fa- fascinating things with that money. We're going to talk more about this uh, specifically in Ohio uh, and, again, nationwide, actually, coming up next week on the show. It's 10 till the hour right now. Uh, we've got uh, Bob Westfall coming by in a minute or two. But first, this. Is your business protected from cyber threats? In today's world, it's more important than ever to have a cybersecurity plan in place. But with so many different solutions out there, it can be hard to know where to start. That's where Omni Strategic Technologies comes in. We're a technology support firm with a strong focus on cybersecurity. We have a team of local experts who can help you assess your risks, develop a plan, and implement the right tools to serve and protect your business. If you want to get serious about cybersecurity, choose Omni Strategic Technologies for the peace of mind knowing that your business is protected and prepared. Keep up with the ever-changing world of sports all night long. Sports Map Radio is on the Watchdog. FM 98.1 AM 1600. A serious injury from an accident can be just the start of your worries. What if you cannot return to work? How do you take care of your family if you're disabled? At Gellner Law Offices, we represent seriously injured people and understand their problem. We know how to get you fair compensation. We will work hard to make sure you get the money you deserve for your losses. Don't go it alone. If you're hurt in an accident, call us at 304-242-2900 or visit us at gellnerlaw.com. We'd like to help. The coffee is brewed, phone lines are open, and the morning team is ready to roll. From the Robinson Auto Group Studios, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering down. She was a black hat beauty with big dark eyes. And points all her own, sudden way up high. 15, 15, 2016. Oh, that's, there's the temperatures. 15 to the airport, 15 to the highlands, 20 in Elm Grove, 16 here at the Watchdog Radio Network Studios. Uh, again, we didn't get into the homeless thing today. I hope to do it tomorrow. I talked to several of the homeless advocate folks over the weekend who were going to be on the show and then kind of dodged me. I, I guess they're still trying to put together plans 
for this managed camp, and they had meetings on Saturday and on Sunday, and I guess they're having another meeting this morning. In fact, right now, what time is it? I don't know my clock in front of me. It's 8 till 10. Uh, 9.30 this morning, they were meeting again to talk about all this stuff. So maybe we'll get somebody on uh, tomorrow on this homeless camp story, the managed camp, the exemptions, and so on. My question still is, what's the rush in the midst of the worst winter storm we've had in a while? The coldest temperatures we've had in a while. They literally sent the bulldozers out to bulldoze people's homes down, their tent community down. What's the rush? I want to talk about that tomorrow on the show. I didn't have a chance to do it today. Uh, Frio Stack Auction Service text line. Howard, how would you feel about a homeless camp in the Elm Terrace area? Homeless folks rummaging through your trash while Teddy is outside playing. Let me be clear. I have said what what we need to do is have a managed camp, and it needs to be, I've said two things, it needs to be far enough away from a community to not cause trouble in the community, but it needs to be close enough to the social services that they can get to it, or they need to arrange transportation for it. No, I don't want to see it in Elm Terrace. I don't want to see it anywhere near where can, where the, the homeless can, can, I hate to say the homeless, it makes it sound like they're just evil people. But I, I get the argument. That's I'm I'm not in I'm not disagreeing with the idea of a camping ban if they come up with a single managed camp that can keep things under control. No, how would I feel about that? I would not like that. And that's why I've said all along I, what we need to do is find a place that is far enough away that it doesn't become intrusive to a community and yet is close enough to places that people need things. And I don't know if I know anyone that actually does not own a home or does not have anywhere to get in out of the cold, Howard. But I would think that would be encouraging for them to have their own place away from everybody else where they don't get the looks, where they don't get people pointing the finger at them. As long as they had transportation a couple times a day into Wheeling and back, to me that's the perfect scenario. Now let me put the asterisk there So before I start getting texts. There are troublemakers in any community. you got to weed them out. You know, I hate to say this, Bob, there are troublemaking talk shows. I'm a troublemaker, Howard. <laughs> well, I didn't mean quite like that. I mean, look, there are, there are troublemakers in any community, right? Uh, in your neighborhood, I'm not talking about homeless people. I'm talking about there's probably somebody in every neighborhood. That's, we stand up to them. Don't you know. do that around here. So I acknowledge that there are some problems with some people, individuals, homeless and otherwise, and they need to be dealt with. If there is criminal activity going on, the police need to be aggressive about that. I'm all in favor of that. We have to be uh, not just the homeless, but anybody who is a problem needs to be dealt with. So I, I acknowledge that not every homeless person is a sweet, loving person. But I also say they're human beings. And they need, you know, they need a place to put their possessions. They need a place to stay at night. Uh, and yes, they can stay at the free shelter right now and the various warming shelters, but the day will come when that's not there. So that's why I'm a firm believer. I, I don't have a problem with the idea that we need to basically ban public camping anywhere. We used to see people across the street from us, well, outside where we are now, but when we lived, we were across the street, Bob, looking out those big windows in the Windsor, we would see them just kind of sleeping on the sidewalk out there sometimes. I, I, I get that we want to stop that. But you can't do that without a, a managed camp or some kind of an alternative, an option. And again, I won't rant any further right now, although I will rant more about it probably tomorrow. What's the rush? Why do they have to send these bulldozers and dump trucks and police to 
some of these camps on Thursday at the on the cusp of a miserable winter storm. What's the rush? Okay. Feel better? Yeah, a little bit. Let's go over to Bob Westfall, the Big Seven, WTF TV. Good morning, Bob. Morning, Howard. How are you ranting? I mean, how are you? Yeah, I'm just ranting. It's just, uh, I, I, you know, I stayed away from the homeless story much of the morning this morning, and then it just suddenly popped up here on my, in my head. And um, you guys did a great job of covering that all weekend long, beginning with the coverage on, I guess it was Thursday, as they began to show up and uh, dismantle the camps and so on. And uh, you guys had really, really good coverage of that, and I commend uh, you and your team for bringing, you know, the real story to us. So that was, that was right. good stuff. Yeah, well, um, I actually did the interview with um, uh, a young woman from the uh, ACLU of West Virginia, whose name escapes me right now. Uh, but, yeah, uh, a lot of the things of what she said, the uh, biggest thing was she didn't understand, like you said, didn't understand why why it had to happen on what was arguably one of the coldest times uh, that we've had. So uh, we're going to continue to follow that, uh, see how that goes. Uh, they did... Uh, um, Grant an exemption uh, late last week uh, for one location, uh, so we'll see how that develops. Help me, uh, Bob. Uh, I, I I have the story somewhere, but I can't. Salvation Army or or Catholic Charities got the exempt. Catholic Charities, I think. I right? want to say it was Catholic Charities. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I'm I'm like a thousand percent sure it was uh, Catholic Charities. Okay. Uh, now the Salvation Army had opened up as a uh, uh, free shelter, uh, but that again that's Warming only shelter. a yeah, right. situation. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we're going to continue to follow that. Um, kind of interested in maybe reaching out to Catholic Charities to see if they could talk to us about what they what they're planning when it comes to the exemption, uh, what they're going to put there. Um, so that is something we're taking a look at today. A couple other things we are working on. Obviously, the weather, uh, the cold weather continues at least for uh, part of today. We're going to get all the way up to balmy 32 this afternoon. Uh, um, so we're excited about that. <laughs> I think you're getting ready to take off yeah. here, Bob. Uh, I think, yeah, I think about uh, Wednesday we're looking at like mid-50s. So. Yeah, we're going to be heading close to 60, maybe not there, but getting into the 50s nicely later. I, I have a friend in Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia, who says uh, they're expecting 68 by Thursday. So, oh, uh, crazy weather. Uh, so we're taking a look at that. Uh, big thing, we also, we have the uh, uh, GOP Senate debate uh, from Ohio tonight on uh, on our air tonight. Think. Trying to get some details here. Seven o'clock. I, I just looked uh, at the story. Seven o'clock. So, yep. yep. It will be uh, on tonight at seven. We've got Matt Dolan, Frank LaRose, and Bernie Moreno. Uh, Frank was in the area this past weekend uh, campaigning down in Hannibal and Noble counties. Uh, Bernie and Matt uh, have not visited the area yet, so uh, we will see what they've got to say. Uh, so the election season is in full swing. Uh, as you know, uh, Ron DeSantis uh, dropped out, and now it's a two-person race uh, for the Republicans. So, uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be an interesting political season. So right. kind I, I got to run. Uh, um, a lot of good stuff coming up, including the run. debate tonight. Well, I'm not going to run. I'm going to amble out of here. Uh, a lot of good stuff coming up, including the debate tonight on Channel 7, the U.S. Senate GOP debate in Ohio. Yep. Check that out. And also check out all the local news on WTRF-TV. I got to run, Bob. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, my friend. Bye, guys. 10 o'clock, Watchdog Morning Show. A lot of good stuff coming up tomorrow. Don't you dare miss it. See you in the morning, Bob. <laughs>